0: Yo, 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 yo. Let me stop. I'm not doing the no corny shit like that, man. Welcome to Things I See on the Internet. It's your boy, Swift. And this is a weekly podcast about, well, things that I see on the internet. From social media to the news. And we've had quite a, a busy week this past week. Uh, the Super Bowl was just played yesterday. Um, I'm recording this on a Monday, obviously. I'll be releasing it, maybe. Tuesday, Wednesday, when you guys hear it, but it's a podcast, you listen to it whenever you feel like it, but we had quite an interesting week so far, it's been a busy week, Um, I would like to start off today's episode with an observation that I made, a quick observation this week, and I've been seeing Diddy a lot, and his message is clear, and I love it, For those who don't know, Diddy started off the year with a video about how last year was tough. And and rightfully so. I mean, it was for him and his family, considering the loss of his children's mother. He also said he took some time off because he took a lot of L's and ass whoopings. They're the best teachers. I also agree with that. (laughs) I also agree with that statement. Now, Diddy's been talking a lot about ownership. and, And I love that also. But I'm conflicted on the inside. Because I question... The motives, and sometimes when I question people' motives when they're talking positive about black people, it makes me feel less black. So it's it's a double edged sword. I don't I don't feel like we should question the motives of anything that's good black, but the black moguls, and I mean all the black moguls, they they're my they're my heroes. These are the guys I grew up idolizing. So don't get me wrong, I want them all to win, but it just seems like like. And I'm... That's, you know what? Let's, I'm not going to say them. It feels like Diddy is talking ownership now because he can't, like, get checks out of the man anymore. And when I say the man, I mean somebody that doesn't look like him with a pale face. But... this And it's rough. This is... I'm tiptoeing here because I'm getting close to the line because cause I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying. I mean, no way saying that daddy can't make money, but maybe he's made it to a level where those guys writing these old checks for him are now his peers. So he needs more people around him that looks like him to do business with. And that makes it a little easier. Again, that's a great thing. But if you want to preach ownership, I mean, you should have did it a decade ago and helped some of us around you, you know, get on that platform. Which to walking on eggshells again, I'm pretty sure Diddy helped a lot of people with his platform that are black. So I'm not saying he didn't help anybody, but if you would have been preaching ownership a little harder, like making it a pillar of of your beliefs and your core, it wouldn't be an issue. Like, take, for example, let's use Kanye. Kanye was a genius, but then he wanted 100% of his clothing line, and he wanted to control over the Yeezys when they come out. When they didn't come out, he wanted a bigger percentage. And once he didn't get it and was going to continue being a highly paid worker with no equity, we got his classic rant. What's the, you don't got the answers, Sway. You don't got the answers. I've been doing this way longer than you. We got that, you know what I mean? And next thing you know, we fast forward. He's parading around with a Make America Great Again hat. And since and since I mean he's renounced renounced the hat, excuse me, he, he's renounced the hat, but the alliance probably wasn't going to give him the control he wants. So even though I'm walking on eggshells, I don't wanna say the wrong thing, but I wanna get my point across, there's a moral to the story. Moral to the story is black ownership should be a pillar of our growth, not a leverage tool used at your convenience. Because politics they rule the world, people. They rule the world. All right, so I guess we could say different toilet, same shit. Um, Killer Mike had a an interview on in the Breakfast Club this week, and it was it was real empowering. Um, I say different toilets, same shit because Killer Mike's message is almost the same as Diddy, but it's a little more in debt. I guess I, I guess I buy the the, authentic, the authenticity <laughs> I'm doing a podcast and I can't fucking talk. That's crazy. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I, I I buy the realness of, of killer Mike's argument because unlike Diddy, man, Killer Mike's argument is not based on culture and clothes and things of that nature. And culture is real important, but it's kind of hard for me to buy into to Diddy's message because that's how he makes his living. So of course he's going to want Black Power and culture and clothes and things of, of, of that nature. But Killer Mike here is actually talking about like education and investment and 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 things of that nature. And it's been amazing watching his evolution. I'm, I'm a, I used to be real big into rap music. I'm not going to say I'm big into it now. But as a kid, I was real big into Mike rap music. And um, I was a Killer Mike fan. I had the first album. So watching that Killer Mike turn into this Killer Mike on campaign trails and having real, valid, thought-out, educational opinions is like watching a child grow up. I guess and I mean we all go through it I'm not the same guy I was 10-15 years ago I mean life experiences and educating myself has has broadened my uh, my circle of understanding you know you, you, the person is only as the smart as their circle of understanding so I understand that part but just watching what he came from from a dude from Atlanta to what he is now is, is incredible I mean I applaud him wholeheartedly I, I like when he started talking about investing versus splurging. He said um, he could have bought a car. He wanted he wanted a coupe. Uh, can't remember if he said $250,000 or whatever. But he ended up buying a property for two hundred and fifty thousand. Got it up to cold, which we don't know how much he spent to get up to cold. But also when he got it up to cold, it was worth six fifty. He sold it for six fifty, which probably getting up to cold, even if he spent another hundred thousand and it was, it was 250000 I mean, he still made $300,000, which is a lot of fucking money. I mean, and, and I also find it, found it interesting, he talked about his partner's influence in that. And sometimes that could be a downfall. I've had relationships in the past where my partner was all about splurging and looking like we're living a life, but we were a, a bit younger. And I guess, you know, females do mature a little faster than males, so we still get caught in that mode, even as grown-ass men. We know we got things we need to take care of, but we rather look good. But a partner's influence is very important because that's generation, that's generational change in money. That's a generational changing aspect. That's something that you can throw down to your kids and teach them that. And, I mean, even if we don't make it to a billion dollars with that aspect, maybe our children or teaching that to their children can change the, the progress will change the future and fortunes of everybody with the same last names as us. So I, that was that was real interesting to me. Um, I love when he got into that, and they also talked about private school versus public school. Now I can't t- I can't touch into that too much because I always went to public school. I mean I do understand what he's saying about a black person name on the building because I would never forget. I went to Third Good Elementary School in Asbury Park. Shout out Asbury Park. I went to Hesburgh Park, New Jersey, of course. I went to Thurgood Marshall Elementary School. And that's pretty the the only school that I can remember, maybe because it was new. It was a new school at that point in time. But for some reason, that's the only school I can remember mostly my time there and having uh, having a certain pride that I went to Thurgood Marshall Elementary School. And it's good for black people to be celebrated in that way. I mean, I live in South Carolina where the streets are paved with Confederate generals and slave owners. And they have statues. And they, if you go to the public library, they got people on the wall picking cotton. And they got Confederate money on the wall. But if you mention slavery to them, they want you to just get over it. But you got to celebrate it in your favor any time that you can. So I, I can't t- I can't touch on... Private school versus public school so much because I always went to public school. Um, i always, I always had black classmates. I didn't have, start having white classmates until. Well, I, I didn't really interact with white people that much until I went into the military, and that was a culture shock for me. Sh- culture shock for me as a kid. So when I went to college, when I got out of the military, I was a little more prepared to deal with that. But it's definitely adjustment. It's definitely an adjustment. But I don't agree with them saying that public public school teachers don't care. And people love to say that. That's like a, a argument people love to use because they have have kids that they have kids that that have behavior issues, and they don't even have behavior issues. They get to school and they show their fucking ass, and you know you don't act like this at home. And you know your kid don't act like that at home. But you're so delusional that they come home and they bring just their side that you would believe your children over another adult because you think that they have this whole thing that uh, the teacher's out to get me. What do you have that makes a teacher come to get you? Because I was a kid like that. And the crazy thing about it, my mom believed me, which I wish she didn't. As an adult, I wish she didn't. I wish she checked my ass because that would have that would eliminate a lot of things in my in my life that I put myself through that was self-inflicted. But I don't like when people say public school teachers don't care. I feel public school teachers care more because they're doing something that they love out of the aspect of just enjoying teaching because they don't get paid a lot of money. I don't know why I don't understand why anybody would say, well I'm just gonna be a teacher. I don't understand that when they're making what, 45 50 grand a year, if that, that is not enough to put up with the attitude of some of these kids, especially a kid that, that's like how I was, which I i know a lot of kids are. So I don't like that myth that we, we I'm not going to say myth, I don't like the narrative that we created that, oh, public school, is a, public school teachers just don't care. That's not true. Those people care the most, now are there, are, are there people that's bad at their fucking job, of course, that's why one McDonald's may be better than the other McDonald's in one part of town, but that doesn't mean all McDonald's employees don't care, it's just do some right here for whatever under whatever leadership, it fucking sucks, and customer service, it does, it does matter, And essentially, that's what being a teacher is, even though they are educators. It is customer service because we do pay taxes and that go towards their salary. I'm not going to say it pays their salary, but it goes towards their salary. I don't know where the hell some of this government money goes. But, excuse me, excuse me, guys. Mm, A little frog in my throat. But I don't understand, like, there's people that bad at their jobs. And there's customer service. Customer service does matter. Um now if you implement the right leadership it become it's not an issue and it starts at the head. It actually I feel it starts with government as far as handing stuff down to build better morale in in school. Like like I'm using McDonald's as an example, but if I go to Chick-fil-A, shout out Chick-fil-A, I never had a bad experience. And Chick-fil-A isn't even that great, but the customer service is amazing. They wait for me if the line is backed up, they outside with a tablet taking orders, everybody's smiling, they're handing my food, I'm getting it on time. It's a great experience, but that's not just one Chick-fil-A. That came down from corporate for them to, to carry themselves in that way, and it trickles down from leadership. So, just saying like, oh... Teachers in public schools don't care. No, some people are bad at their fucking job. And I understand that. In every fucking industry, there's people that's bad at their fucking job. So don't use a blanket statement to say public school teachers don't care when some of them are doing this solely for the love of the kids and they love reaching these young, young people. It's like it's like they damn near volunteering. You can see that because it's, they damn near volunteering. The kids that they're teaching... If they're effective, the kids that they're teaching are gonna go on to out-earn them in life. Which means they have the tools. To, they have the tools to be selfish and go make money on their own and leave us to figure this shit out. Shout out Miss Snell third grade. That's my favorite teacher of all time. <laughs> But y'all, but moving along, Trigger Mike also had—I mean, excuse me—Killer Mike also has a of a, a special on Netflix, a uh, trigger warning, which I I really enjoy. I encourage everybody, I encourage everybody to go take a look at it. Um, there's an the episode where he's just trying to spin. Black dollars for twenty, black dollars for twenty four hours, which means he's just spending on um, spending money with black people. It has to so the money stays in our, our uh community for twenty four hours, which was fairly hard. I'm embarrassed of how hard that was, but I understand it because um we're not we're not ta- taught our ownership. We're taught to be consumers, but that's another argument for another podcast. Um, so, it's a f- real funny scene in there where an Asian stripper gets on his lap and you tell her to get up. Nothing against her. but He's only spending black dollars today. <laughs> and I don't I honestly want to do that. I think I want to do like maybe a Black Friday or a Black Sunday. Um, I encourage everybody to do that where we just support black business. I mean, we eat food that comes from black places. Um, you might have to get you a, a bike made by a black person because no black person makes a car, which we probably need to fix that in the future. Um, hell, even only watch black TV shows. And when I say black TV shows, I mean black executive producer, which means we all probably need to get the OWN Network. You can't even do BT because Bob Johnson don't own it no more. But we all probably need to get OWN, and we just need to watch OWN all fucking Sunday. I mean, we, we should do that That's something that I want to do um, There's also an episode When he talks about Profiting off of gang culture Which is genius to me Because In America We do love the criminal And um We watch these movies About Whitey Bulger And Scarface And things of that nature But We don't We don't We don't take the time To profit Off our pain Correctly Like we only do it In music we only promote the gang stuff in music, and and I say promote the gang stuff, but you know what I mean. We promote the, the bad shit, but instead of taking that branding and trying to make it something positive, we've let somebody who doesn't know anything about the culture take the net narrative, which they do time and time again, take the narrative and turn it into something negative. Like, uh, gangs didn't originate like this. Gangs were, were a neighborhood thing because we had to take care of of our own, and having a sense of community, we created labels, and identity to it, and then crack came in and stuff, and blase blase happened, and it turned into something, some other shit, I ain't gonna say something negative, turned into some other shit, and we let somebody else change the narrative, and we got away from the basics to what it was, I mean, remember, even they said, they said the Black Panthers was a terrorist organization, and... Even still, yet, if you ask some people, they compare the Black Panther to the fucking KKK, which is by far the dumbest shit I have ever heard in my fucking life. But that's what happens when you let somebody else control the narrative. So getting back to that, I do think we need to profit more off gang culture because that is our pain. I wish I could find me some Crippa Cola or some Blood Pop because I would have that shit stock. And I don't even drink soda like that. I, I honestly, I'm... I'm trying to figure out how I can profit off of gang culture because um, I know a lot of guys in gang. I still got homeboys in gangs. I got dudes. I got dudes. I got my guys who died in gangs from gang violence and stuff like that. So, I mean, turn it into something profit and we be able to make some money. It's always good because I feel like the more money black people have as a whole is more money towards black liberation because they're not going to give us reparations. It's over. We need to stop talking about that shit every presidential election. But again, that's another argument for another podcast. So I'm not going to get into that. But in closing with Killer Mike, man, I think we need to, I think we need to end light skin, dark skin beef. I'm calling for the end of it right now. And I'm saying that because in his his uh, interview with the Breakfast Club, Killer Mike and DJ Envy got into it a little bit, and it was you know it was the classic dark skin light skin battle thing that we do, trying to get some supremacy over each other. Now I'm calling for the end of it because I'm stuck in the middle, and I'm tired of having to choose. A, I'm tired of having to choose a fucking side. I'm like the kid in the divorce. I'm tired of choosing the side. So we need to end this shit now, and we need to be a big happy family. Okay, okay. Now, this shaking my head moment for this week, for this past week, it comes from Bow Wow, man. And I got, I think I got more questions than answers with this Bow Wow thing. One, is this the fall of Bow Wow? Like this, is this where the beginning of the end happens? Or has it already happened? And when did Bow Wow become the butt? Of our jokes, I mean, I remember the Bow Wow challenge and with him in the jet. I remember uh, him saying the field trip was behind him. That video was fucking hilarious, and people were commenting, "Boy, nobody know who you are." But when did when did Bow Wow become? I guess I don't know who to compare him to throughout. the before social media, it was like the butt of all our jokes, but wouldn't it Bow Wow become the butt of all our jokes, which I, it's funny at times, it's always funny when it's not you, but I, I question the the psychological effects of it, like, if it, that had been me with everything I do, people find it hilarious, so they try to make fun of me, or, you know, just treat treat me the way that he's treated on social media. One, I, I wouldn't have social media. That's one. I'm not sure if he does or he has somebody rented rent it for him. But I wouldn't have social media. Um, Two, if I did, I would be really emotional, unstable. Because, I mean, even though I feel like bullies are necessary. I'm one of those people that feel like bullies are necessary. I don't feel like it should be piled on But I feel like bullying makes you a better It it builds character I was bullied as a kid because I was fat So I was bullied before But it it, When I was able to Start getting a little attention It made my confidence grow Like I appreciate it So my confidence Even though my confidence grew It kept me a little humble because, Because of bullies But I just feel like it comes to be a bit much with Bow Wow because of the situation. The situation is very, 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 very serious. Let's doesn't, doesn't make no mistakes about it. That's why I got my I got my serious tone on right now. This this is my serious tone. <clears throat> this just y'all like it? <laughs> y'all do. You know you do. You love it. You fucking love it. But let me get back, let me get back on my serious tone. This is my serious tone. Because I feel like had it been the other way around. It could have been catastrophic for him like it was for for Chris Brown. Matter of fact, it probably would be worse because we liked Chris Brown. We, for whatever reason, we don't like Bow Wow. And I think it's a self-hate thing. I think as a kid, he got so much success so fast. And he didn't have to live a regular life. So when he began to fall... And this is not even a black thing. Because, you know, I love to talk about black and white. This is not even a black thing. This is an America thing. Like, in the words of Tupac, America eats eats its babies. We love to see the fall of the child star. We love to see them lose it. Because we want to look back. We want to look back at it and say, well, see, I didn't put my kids through that. So I'm a great parent. But your kid has to live a regular fucking life working for somebody opposed to somebody who's doing whatever they want to do and is well off. I don't know how much money he has, but I'm pretty sure Shad Moss is well off just off his first album, just off the royalties of his first album. But we want to want be able to beat our chest and say, well, that's why I didn't do this for my kids or I didn't do that for my kids because I didn't want them to turn out like that when... It wasn't that you didn't do those things for your kids. You couldn't do those things for your kids. Because we all think that our kids are special. And we all go through this phase where we want to put our kids in modeling. And we all think our kids are superstars. He just happened to be one. So, because he happened to be one and your child wasn't, you dislike him a little more. And everybody should keep their fucking hands to themselves. That's the way I feel about it. I've been in abusive relationships. I'm not afraid to say I've been a abuser in a relationship, especially mentally. And I've been abused in a relationship. And it's a it's a cycle that we need to break immediately when dealing with each other. Because a lot of the problems, I'm about to get onto my black shit, so there's the disclaimer. It's a problem that we need to break because a lot of the problems that we do have comes from the instability of the foundation. And when by foundation, I mean black family. So, I applaud Bow Wow. I applaud Bow Wow for not blacking the bitch eye. You see his face? I applaud him for not blacking that bitch eye. And for him having the presence of mind to know that he is someone of of status and he has some influence and everybody's watching what he's doing. I applaud him for keeping his composure because that's what it seems like. Seems like he keep he kept his composure. Um, I have no I no I don't know why he got locked up. It's looking at those pictures, man. It's obvious who the aggressor was, and it's you. gotta have some kind of physical evidence. But I can say this: like I, I applaud Bow Wow. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on it because it's not a it's not a situation for jokes. Which I'm not a jokey guy. This is this is a podcast about my opinions. I'm an opinionated guy. But I applaud Bow Wow for his actions. I don't know how he deals with the pressure of being Bow Wow. Um, eventually, if we don't treat him better, and I say we, as his people. Because we need to look out for each other because nobody else in the world, especially in America, gives a fuck about us. We need to look out for each other. As his people, we need to treat him better because I can tell you this. It's only so much pressure you can put on somebody with um with your negativity until it comes to a head and he cracks. And then when he go, goes crazy, we all going to blame it on the lifestyle and we're going to ignore our contribution to his demise, or his insanity, or his outburst, or, I mean, worst case scenario, to his suicide. Mental, I mean, we got to stop ignoring mental health, and we got to stop ignoring the effect we have on people, and we need to be there for each other a little more, and that's just how I feel about that. Now, in shocking news, which this is shocking, this this overshadowed shadowed the damn Super Bowl. In shocking news, we got 21 Savage is from you, the United Kingdom. Now, I have questions. <laughs> I always got questions. You pick up on that. I got questions. Is he from the United Kingdom, like Britain, United Kingdom, or is he from... A territory, like an island of the United Kingdom. Because, all right, okay, I've always been suspicious. Because the boys say from Zone 6. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Atlanta, but I've been to Atlanta numerous times. I've lived in Atlanta. Atlanta dudes have a certain dialect that if they talk real fast, sometimes you don't know what the fuck they're saying. And if you think I'm lying, go back to, um, the Young Bloods had a video, um, I know you're waiting for daddy, it won't be long, Tony, your name's never diminishing you. I can't sing, I know it, but they have a video, it's a video, that, that video, what is it, 85? I think the song is 85. And at the beginning of that video, T.I. and another dude is sitting in the car talking, and they got subtitles to the bottom. That's how dudes from Atlanta talk. That's what makes the way T.I. talk very, very <laughs> impressive. Not because all the damn words that he know, but because a dude from Atlanta can talk like that. Now, never, 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 never think that means they're unintelligent. I'm from, Char- well, I'm not from, I live in Charleston. We have this thing here, where people talk geechy. If you're not from here, they sound a little Haitian. Some people don't know what the hell they're saying, and it's hard to, it's hard to, um... To dis- distinguish what they're saying, sometimes never, ever, ever mistake that with their intelligence level. That's just their dialect. But 201 Savage, he doesn't talk like he's from Atlanta. We could get into his music. I know. I mean, music has evolved from what it used to be, where it was just like a display of lyrical talent, to this thing now where everybody's trying to capture a mood or a feeling, and they're trying to display that in their music and paint a picture, which is, that's very that's that's artistic than a motherfucker but 21 Savage music ain't that, that's just the way I feel about it, I mean I, just, I, I don't even understand how some people can like that shit I mean, bash me, all you want to, I mean, I'm here for it come at me bro, I don't care, but I don't understand how anyone can like that shit that wasn't in the slow class, I don't understand it but that's not what we here to talk about. I knew he wasn't from Zone Six because he doesn't talk like Zone Six. I know what Zone Six sound like. You can't fool me. Which leads me to this question: Why do rappers always claim places that they they aren't aren't from? Like, are we that are we that lost in our identity that we just making it up as we go? And you you're that. You don't have that much pride in where you're from. Like, I can tell you that I grew up in Asbury Park New Jersey and Santee, South Carolina, two very small towns, both predominantly black. I'm proud of those things. I'm not going to tell you I'm from Columbia or I'm from Charleston. You see, I caught myself when I say, I'm from Charleston. I caught myself. I say, I live in Charleston. When have we stopped being prideful of where we're from? And how far does that go back? Um, Because... As a kid, I can remember it was, it was an insult for somebody to say you were from Africa. What was the movie? My man said, you African booty stretcher? And we thought that shit was hilarious. It came out when I was a kid. It was one of the hood movies. But we, when did we, I guess we never really had pride of where we're from. Again, I guess that comes with, oh, I'm about to get into my black shit again. I guess that comes from being stolen. But it's a lot of rappers not from where they say they're from. Like, okay, like, from Soldier Boy, being from Mississippi, Jeezy ain't from Atlanta. Jeezy from South Carolina. You understand? Trick Daddy is from South Carolina. But is it a thing where maybe I'm going to rep this area because this area has more people and they can get behind me? Because in South Carolina, we don't get behind each other. They'll get behind me. Or is it a thing where I don't like where I'm from? Either or, if you're a dope artist, a dope artist is a dope artist. It shouldn't matter where you're from. But that's how you know we got to the place where we support popularity and we don't support actual talent. Which means if enough enough people say it's dope, then it could not be dope to you and you would start listening to it again. And even if you resist, if you give it some time, you would come around to it. Me, for example, when Yo Gotti first came out, shout out Yo Gotti too, nothing against him. I mean, but when Yo Gotti first came out, I was on my whole East Coast rap thing. I didn't like Yo Gotti. I thought it was terrible. Now I have an appreciation for Yo Gotti. Now, I don't know if that's because everything around me has gotten so terrible. I Meaning the music, the music has gotten so terrible that I've come to appreciate Yo Gotti. Same thing with Master P. I thought Master P was horrible, but I found myself going back and listening to Oh No Limit. And it's because maybe I have a since I'm old, I have an appreciation for his hustle or whatever. But my point is, it'll grow on you. Like if it's if it's consi- if it's consistent enough, it'll grow on you. I didn't got so, I didn't got so caught up in this damn ramble, and which that's a, this is really just a ramble that I forgot the point I was trying to make. <laughs> Either way, 21 Savage from UK, the memes are hilarious. One thing I did like though is when Demi Lovato jumped in we all collectively as a unit was like hold hold on bitch (laughs) like we can talk about him you can't I love when we do shit like that because we be tearing each other down so much we tear each other down so much that it becomes overwhelming but the camaraderie between us. I love the camaraderie between us because we told we tear each other down so much, but we'll stop somebody else from doing. It. And that's like a family thing. Like I got older brothers. Man, my older brother used to beat me up all the time. But I tell you one thing, he ain't about to let you put your fucking hands on me. And I love stuff like that because that's like a family thing. So that me, that gives me hope that we're still together, even though we tear each other down, and we're so divided. I, f- I love it when we come together for things like that. Even though that's real, real stupid. We should come to- together for things that's more important. But that's a start, goddammit. You can't build a house until you're the for first fucking break. So I'm not going to get caught up in that. But I love, I love when we come to each other's rescue. Which, I'm going to say this. We're going to cover this another episode another time. Because I got a lot of shit to say. Black men need to come to the rescue of black women more. That's just that. <laughs> So in closing, man, before I go, I want to leave you guys with some words from Marcus Garvey. I want to leave it on a positive note. I felt like this is a pretty good episode. I feel like this is probably our best episode yet so far. So in closing, I want to end it with a little Marcus Garvey. And it goes like this. The Free Africa... We must first free ourselves mentally, spiritually, and politically. So long as we maintain the religious slaves of another race, so as long as we remain educationally the slaves of another race, so as long as we remain politically the slaves of another race, so long shall other men trample upon us and call us inferior people. But when we lift ourselves from this racial mire to the heights of religious freedom, of political freedom, of social freedom, of educational freedom, And then only will we start to start out to become a great race and ultimately make ourselves a mighty nation. And man, that was brilliant. Until next time, peace.